I'm going to get you to stay standing. Thanks. Because instead of, instead of me going right into a story, thank you, team. You guys can leave the, the stage. But I'd like for us to read some scripture together. Standing, reading together. And so, Jorah, could you put up the first part of our Romans text there? You will see that there is some parts that bolded and some parts that are not bolded. So we're going to do this a little bit like call and response Okay, a little bit of fun. I'll read the less bolded part. We'll all read the bolded part. Sound good? Okay. Oh, yeah, get your water. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is true that you may worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. When you lean, you know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourself, or don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts and every part has special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving and give generously, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. That's the reading of Romans 12, 1 through 16. You can have a seat. So what do you think of when you hear the word harmony? 
Melody. Harmony and melody and melody and harmony. Does anybody know that song? Ooh, that's an oldie. What do you think when you think of harmony? Harmony, go. Peace. Things that work coherently together. Love it. So what else? When you think of harmony, what do you think of? E-harmony. Let's get our date on. (laughs) That's awesome. Anything else? What do you think of when you think of harmony? Music. Yeah. So I think of two things. When I think of the word harmony, I think of two things. The first thing is I think of like a hippie commune. That's what I think of. Like people who are just looking for defined harmony in their life. Like I think about flowy dresses and flower crowns for women and like loose fitting clothes for men and just feeling harmony. Yet that's what I think about when I think about harmony. The other thing that I think about in harmony is music. So I really love to sing. And one of my favorite things about singing up here is that the band is in there, there, and they've got their in-ears. So I just let her rip because they can't hear me. Gavin, I'm sure his left ear is blown out by me at this point. But I just love to sing, and I love to sing loud, and I come by that honestly. That's my grandma right there. And so when I came to Summit my freshman year, I was like, I love to sing. I was always on the worship team, and they had the auditions, right? Like on Friday afternoon, they had auditions, even when I was a freshman. So um, back when I was a freshman, though, it wasn't just auditions for worship teams, because there were a bunch of different teams that were singing teams. And so, you know, I'm up there, I'm singing, and they're like, can you harmonize? And I was like, yeah, I can do harmony. So I'm like harmonizing with them, and great, wonderful. So then... I get, I don't know, it was probably not even like an email at that point. I probably just got like a a memo in my mailbox that I was, I made a team. Oh my God. I was so excited that I made a team. And um, however, I made a team called Tapestry. Ooh, ooh, Tapestry. Um, now, Tapestry, there we are. There's freshman Kim singing her heart out. There she is. I know. I loved those pants. They were cords, wide leg cords. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can you note, Kate, okay, see that like orange line at the bottom? Those were the pews that were in the chapel. They were like cushy, smelly pews. And they were great. Um, this was in 2003. You were born that year. This makes me feel awesome. <laughs> so back in the year that you were born, this is what people looked like. <laughs> So, I was in this musical group called Tapestry. Now, notice that I said musical group because it wasn't a band, because we were an a cappella group. Yeah, we were. Oh, yeah. Now, we weren't like super cool, 
because I don't know if an acapella group could be super cool. Um, but we weren't like the pentatonics. Like there was nobody, nobody like doing beatboxing with their mouths or whatever. And it wasn't like Glee because Glee hadn't come out yet. Um, I don't even know if you know what that show is. Anyways, moving on. You, okay, good. See, I just found out that this was somebody's birth year. So forgive me, I'm readjusting to reality. <laughs> so anyways, this was Tapestry. And we, we would travel around BC and sing total acapella. So we had the like, mm, this is your no boys and girls, mm, like that thing. We used that for every song. So while this is four of us singing, we were actually a group of six. And the majority of our songs were in six-part harmony. And so every single person had their own part. So I could sing, I can naturally find harmony. Okay. I didn't realize that was such a cool flex. Um, but <laughs> now I can naturally find harmony, but... What I can't actually do is read music. Ooh, ooh, this is a twist. So um, because the whole thing is, in fact, sheet music, you can't go off of ear in, in a group like this. You have to actually sing your correct note because in six-part harmony and in some of the arrangements that we were singing, some of the notes were in, like, dissonance. And so it, while it doesn't sound right, it actually sounds really good. Um, and so if that makes any sense. Oh yes. Great. The musicians are with me. Thank you. Um, so I found it actually really, really tough. And here I was like, I just want to sing. And, um, and now I had to learn how to read music and do it in front of churches. Like I was now performing and needing to harmonize and harmonize like well and on like on it. Um, and so uh, the, the girl that's to my right, that's Liz. And um, she was the RS. And so she was in KJS's room. Um, and so she had her piano set up and we would spend hours and hours and hours plunking out my notes. Hours. And I, in fact, like I would be in tears because I just couldn't get it. There were notes that were just tricky enough that just didn't feel particularly natural for me. And so I had to practice and practice and practice and practice. And eventually I got it. And to be honest, we sounded amazing. Yes. Yeah, it was great. Actually, like, this is a bit of a flex, but I was talking with somebody last week who I went to school with last, I went to school with, and they were like, Kim, do you still sing? Because like, you were really good. And I was like, no, not really. I just let her rip. Um, so anyways, we sounded good. But that's what I think of. When I think about harmony, I think music. I think notes that, 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 like, that really come together, that you actually, like, it goes from, like, hearing music to, like, feeling music. That's the, like, that's when I think about harmony. I think about feeling music, not just hearing it. And, um, and so this, this is my picture when I think about harmony. Now, harmony, like my experience with tapestry, it actually takes a whole lot of work. It's a lot of effort. 
And as I was thinking about how much effort it takes to actually live in harmony, I thought, oh, here's another one where we're starting off saying, this is going to take work. Like, again, here's some more effort, right? Like I had, we had talked about renewing our mind and the effort that that takes. And we talked about in being engaged, not by like, not like, you know, but, um, but being engaged and how much effort that takes. And being enthusiastic and the effort that that takes, what it means to be joyful and patient and faithful, and that that takes effort and that it actually takes effort to be hospitable. This all takes effort. And being in this place of living like a, um, in living a sacrifice or living, being living sacrifices in this place of effort, it really is this place where effort meets God's grace. That's where it means like when we're living, when we're living as living sacrifices who are holy and pleasing to God, it's this place where we meet God's gratuitous grace, his generous grace with our effort. So tonight, as we talk about what it means to live in harmony, and that's it, that's all we're going to talk about, what it means to live in harmony, um, we're going to think about that in response to God's grace. So our text tonight says this. Bless those who persecute you. Don't crush or don't curse them. Don't crush them either. Uh, Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud with with. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company company of ordinary people, and don't think you know it all. So our text. Uh, we see this in really verse 13 and 14, this shift kind of. Paul's making this shift in how he's conveying his commands. Uh, so he moves. And in verses 13 and 14, we start to see this move to something that's like moving to it, like an imperative. It's like an imperative move. Like this is essential. You need, we need to do this. And he starts to move. And, he, and as he makes this shift in these are some things that we need to do. These are essentials here. What he also does is he also shifts the lens. Previously, he's been talking to Christians, talking about Christians. This is what you should do as a Christian. This is how we live as Christians, but with Christians. And it's all like as believers, with believers, that's the focus. But now in verse 14, we see this like shift of lens. And so in the shift of lens, it's not just about believers living lives of sacrifice, but it's believers being a living sacrifice in relation to non-believers. There's this bit of a shift that happens. And we, st- and we see in the, in the three verses that we're looking at tonight that there is this constant like shifting, like f- uh, flipping of focus. He'll flip from what it means to relate with people who are non-believers, what it means to relate with people who are. And we see this sort of flipping in, in what he's talking about. Now, in this, in this text and in this section, we actually started to see Paul infusing what he has to say with Jesus's words. We don't see a ton of time Jesus quoting or Paul quoting Jesus. Like, Jesus said... But what we do see, and this is true for the early church, is he's sort of folding in Jesus' teachings. 
And so we see in this, at the very beginning, blessed are those, or bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. We see in this text, this folding in, right? Can you hear the Sermon on the Mount? Right? We, we hear it. We hear Luke 6. Don't, uh, he says, but, but those of you who are listening say, love your neighbor. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. He's folding in Jesus' teachings. So he says, bless those who persecute you. So the word blessed, come, that word in Latin means benedictus. And that's often, you know, perhaps you've had this experience at church where it's the end of the service and the pastor is up here. And then they like often will put their hands out like this and they give a benediction. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, this, that idea, benediction, comes from the, comes from the word, the Latin word, blessing. And this word blessing means to speak well or say good things about another. So bless those who persecute you. Speak well and say good things about another. Now, the power of a blessing goes actually beyond that. Because a blessing reminds people of their belovedness. It's a reminder. You're beloved. So think about this for a second. Here, Paul is saying, to the one who's making your life a living hell, bless them. Bless them. Remind them of their belovedness. Now, there's an author that I quite like. His name is Henry Nowen, and he says, to give someone a blessing is the most significant affirmation we could ever offer. Often, when we think about another person, we're evaluating them. What did they do for us? You know, we encourage people because we've, we've felt some encouragement from them. We might speak well of them because we see their good efforts. We might affirm them because we acknowledge their hard work. We might support them because their value is aligned with our values. However, to live a life of harmony, what Paul is talking about, he says, bless them. This is rooted in grace. It's not rooted in accomplishment or alignment. It's rooted in grace. The way that Jesus is to bless, he talks about we are to bless like Jesus blessed. He blesses us. We don't deserve it. And yet he's very generous with his blessings. He, He calls us beloved. He calls us children. He says we are right in his sight. This is blessing that we receive from God. And he speaks good about us to God. Jesus, who is uh, interceding for us right now, is speaking blessings about our belovedness to God. 
Could you imagine if we could actually like take hold of the fact that Jesus speaks blessings over us, that he blesses us on an eternal basis, how much we would give blessings to others? And again, we don't deserve it. Now, Jesus, in his, some of his parting words to his disciples, he says, love others if I have loved you, right? You know that? And this is how they will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. Bless others as I have blessed you. This is how they know you are my disciples. To bless those who are not on the same page as us, to bless others who persecute, to bless others who are against what we're about, is to live so countercultural, but it is so Jesus. It's so Jesus, and it's so hard. That's the effort, right? You know that, you know that phrase, kill him with kindness, you know? So I've been thinking about this phrase, kill him with kindness, because I've heard people say it quite a bit, and it actually kind of ticks me off. Um, and I've heard, like, Christians say it, just kill him with kindness. That's a passive-aggressive faith. When, when Paul gives us this command to bless our, those who persecute us, to bless those who are against us, it's not a kill him with kindness faith. It's not, a, it's not a blessing that comes from a manipulative place. It's not a blessing that says, well, I'm going to show you I'm going to be the better person. That's passive aggressive faith. That's not genuine blessing. Really, it's really plain and simple what Paul is saying. Now, we know that when it's plain and simple in Scripture, it's not simple to do, right? We know that. Simple doesn't mean that it's simple. It's, it's really plain and simple. If there are people who are not on our side, who are not about the same things that we're about, who we don't align with, bless them. That doesn't mean that we agree but it does mean that we bless them. Then it says, do not curse them. Now, we wouldn't necessarily use the word curse, like I'm going to curse this person. We wouldn't use that term. But maybe, and maybe we think about cursing as like maybe swearing, or maybe we think of cursing sort of like a hex, but we don't typically talk about hexes so much. We don't really. No. Do we? Do you? Do you talk about hexes much? I don't. Okay, but the definition here of a curse, uh, this is what a curse is, an expression of contempt for someone. An expression of contempt. To be cursed is to suffer various kinds of misfortunes, sometimes to the extent of being cut off from a person's family or community or even suffering death itself. So we might not talk about hexes and we might not use the word curse, but we sure do contempt 
sometimes. I have. You know, I sure have cut someone off relationally. Right? That's what curses look like for us today. It looks about talking about people behind their back. That's what curses looks like. Cursing somebody looks like trying to form alliances so that people won't like them because we've got beef with them. That's, that's curses, forming alliances. Curses is cancel culture. That's cursing. It's to say, I will not. I will, I will, I will destroy you, either relationally or on social media, or I will cut you off. I will ice you out. That's what cursing is. Like I've done that. We, We do that. Because when we're talking about people who don't align with us, who do not share our same values, who are up against us, this feels like very natural response to them, doesn't it? But that's not what Paul is saying here. He's he's calling us to be transformed, to renew our minds, to not take on the patterns of this world, to be living sacrifices. Therefore, don't curse, but bless. And while this text is talking about persecution, right? Bless those who persecute you. The same principle applies to those whose values that we do align. It it does apply to how we respond with believers who share the same faith. That's the baseline. Paul is just adding to it. Our normal instinct is is to curse. Our normal instinct is not to bless. But here... If we are to bless, if we were to not curse, oh my goodness, they will know we are Jesus' disciples. They will know because it's so countercultural. That's what Jesus did. Jesus prayed blessing over people. You know, when he ta- even when he prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing it is a blessing. And this is what Paul calls us to do. He says, we're supposed to bless them. Don't curse them. Pray for blessing. Like double whammy. We can't get away from this blessing. So either do it with God or do it in front of them. We can't get away from this blessing idea. And so sometimes I have this experience. Now, this is not of opposition, but for, for a few years, I was a chaplain at a hospital. And, um, and there would be, as a chaplain, you sort of, you're a placeholder for faith. And so there would be people who needed, um, who wanted faith support, but were not of the same faith as I. And, uh, and so that is not necessarily the place where you're going to lean hard into evangelism because they're in deep need and deep despair because uh, they're in the hospital and something's going on and it's bad. But they do need some sort of faith support. And so often, sometimes what that would include is I might give their faith leader a call. But while I'm there, and our faith, we do not align. 
often what I would ask is, could I pray a prayer of blessing? And the the immediate harmony that was felt in the room was like palpable. We could feel it. So many people are willing to receive a blessing. In fact, we're, we're in a world that's starving for blessing. We're starving for it. They're hungry to receive anything. And if we can offer a blessing, oh, it's like a breath of fresh air. And so Paul challenges us. If we are to live in harmony in our world, when there, are, when we, there is like a misalignment of values of faith, if there are people who are persecuting, there are people not on our side. The response is not to curse. The response is to bless. And then bless them in prayer. Do it with them and do it with God. Here's the really great thing too, is because often when we, we're, we're not, like blessing is, a, is an absolute choice. Usually when we're talking about people who we don't align with, it is, we're not like, I just want to bless them. Like we don't feel that way. We actually feel like cursing. And when we bless and when we pray prayers of blessing over people, it's good for our soul too. It gets our soul in the right spot. So it's good for them. It's good for us too. And so if ever, here's a little tidbit. If ever you're like, I really need to pray a prayer of blessing, but I can't even get out the words because I'm just not there yet. Write this down. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 20. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And this last one you should be familiar with, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. Use scripture to pray blessing over people. Speak scripture over people. This is an incredible way for us to bless others. So live in harmony. Bless people. Okay, next, we see that in verse 15, it says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Perhaps your Bible says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So this one, again, we see this shift of of lens, right? We're moving back a little bit towards believers responding to believers. So. With unbelievers, we meet persecution and hatred with love and blessing. With believers, to find that deep, that deep-rooted harmony, we meet joy, we meet sorrow and joy with joy and sorrow. We match it, we meet it. So when I was at, I was a children's pastor at Richmond Pentecostal Church. And our church often got used by a, like a music school. And they would do their recitals every once in a while at our church. And they always needed somebody from the church to be there. And so I said I would be there. And so I would watch kids' recitals. It was so cute. Oh, goodness, it was so cute. Oh, my goodness. And it was so great. Like, I'd, I'd listen to them pick away. Some of them would be picking away at, like, Frosty the Snowman. 
and it was wonderful. And then it would be so cute. Oh, it would be so cute when they'd start and then they'd realize they're like off tune because they didn't start and like they didn't start on C. They started on like D and then they're like, this isn't right, but they can't figure out why it's not right. And then the teacher has to come over, move their finger over to C and then, oh, they got it. And everyone is like, oh, this is so wonderful. And I'm thinking, I'm watching the whole thing. I think this is so adorable. Oh, it's so great. How great. And then I'm watching the parents because you can always, you can always tell who the parents are because they're like leaning in. And they're like feeling Frosty the snowman. Like no one could ever feel Frosty the snowman. And they're like so invested because they've heard Frosty the snowman like a trillion times in their home. And they probably are like, have nightmares about Frosty the snowman because they've heard this song get butchered for months. Um, That was, if you're interesting, that was hot cross buns on the violin for me and my family. Uh, anyways, so here's this, this experience of watching this recital. And these parents are so invested. It's like they're playing the piano. Now, for me, I don't know these kids. I just think they're cute and that they're terrible playing piano. But they're trying, and I think that's fabulous. You know, sometimes we live our lives a little bit like a recital where we're just sort of watching each other. (laughs) Oh, look at her. She's finally getting it. Isn't that great? That's so good, right? You have these, whoa, you have these moments. You have these moments where you're praying with somebody at at chapel and they're like, I really want to be reading my Bible and and you're like, great, how many times are you going to read your Bible a week? Three times. Great, that's awesome. Oh, way to go. And then you see them going to the prayer room. You're like, look at, it. Look at them go. That's so wonderful, right? You're just like, that's so great. But, and we often are just watching each other. This idea of mourning with and being joyful with means to be with. It means to be with. It's rejoicing together, mourning together. It's this withness that Paul is calling us to. You know the phrase, I'm in this with you? You know that phrase? Like often you say that when you're about to go through something that's really hard and you're like, I'm in this with you, man. We can do this. I'm in this with you. I said that to Gavin a few times during COVID. I was like, oh, I'm in this with you. And it's usually said on like bated breath or like ride or die, right? Like we're in this together and it might take us out, right? Like, you know that feeling. We do have this sense of being with each other in the difficulty. But sometimes we're not always with each other in the joy. That seems counterintuitive, but, but it's not. When I, think about, when I think about the breakdown, when it comes to rejoicing and mourning, when I think about the breakdown of harmony in community, particularly in the area of sharing and being with in joy and in sorrow, 
it's usually because we kind of turn into one-note Nancys. Does anybody know what a one-note Nancy is? Has anybody heard that phrase? You've just experienced a Quigleyism. Um, a one-note Nancy is somebody who just does the one, just does one thing. They just do one thing. One-note Nancy, rock and see like nobody's business. And one-note Nancy, because we can, what can happen is, is let's say things get good in people's lives. And they're like, oh, they don't need me anymore. I'm going to go. Or a one-note Nancy says, things are getting too tough. I got to go. A one-note Nancy sticks around for just joy or sticks around for just sorrow. But that's not being with. That's not being the family member who's playing the piano from the pew. That's just some person sitting up in the balcony going, isn't that cute? Like it's a one-note Nancy thing. Our ability to live in harmony with others through rejoicing and mourning has everything to do, and like being in the fullness, experiencing both of those things has very little to do with what is being rejoiced over and what is being mourned over. It has very much to do with our understanding of who God is. Very much to do with that. See, oftentimes we struggle to be with people who are in pain because we can't reconcile how there could be pain, how God could allow pain. And our issue with God and pain get in the way with our witness of people. Then what can happen is our issue with God rises up when things get joyful. If we think that God isn't a generous God with limitless gifts, what can happen is when we see the joy of another person, we start to think, well, if they got that, then maybe I won't because God's gifts are few. Let me unpack that in this way. Well, now they're dating that girl, so now I don't know if I'll get if I'll find somebody. Now they're dating that guy. I don't know if I'm going to find somebody. I'm not going to hang out with them anymore. Like that, that's real. Or they got that job, so God's not going to provide for me. They got financial support. I guess God's not going to provide for me. We, we start to rationalize and go think of God as some sort of um, budget. That if, if he gives something good to this person, then that takes away from the good in my life. And then we don't share in the joy anymore. That's a God issue. Right? But here, we're challenged to be, to be in joy, to rejoice with each other, be happy with each other, and, and mourn with each other. Does that mean that we might be rejoicing and mourning at the same time? Yes. Yes. That might mean that. Harmony, to actually be in harmony together means that we, that we jump with each other when we're happy. 
and we sit together when we're sad and not ditch out when we start to feel uncomfortable. This is a challenge to be with. It's a challenge to be with. It's also a challenge to let people in. Let people in on what you need to celebrate. Let people in on your joys. Let people in on your sorrows so that we can actually live this out. We actually want to live this out. So to live in harmony means that we are to share, we rejoice with each other and mourn with each other. Lastly, to live in harmony means that we live with humility. Now, the word for harmony in this particular text isn't actually a singular word. The single, the word actually is do the same thing toward another. That's what's, that's what's used here. When describing harmony, that word harmony, do the same thing toward another. It reminds me again of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Harmony for Paul and for Jesus has an element of reciprocity. There's an element of sharing, of quid pro quo. Anybody heard that phrase before? Ooh, yes. Awesome. Yeah, there's a, there's a reciprocity. Do the same for others. Bless, don't curse, pray, rejoice, mourn. And as you bless, don't curse, pray, rejoice, mourn, you will receive blessing, not curses. You will receive prayer. You will, people have, will rejoice with you. People will mourn with you. It's, re, it's reciprocal. This is a relationship thing because we're doing it with. Now, perhaps the greatest obstacle for harmony with one another is when we think we actually don't need to when we actually don't need to participate. We don't need to be um, humble. We don't need to give. We don't need to receive. This is called pride. Don't be proud, it says. This idea that we don't need it, that we don't need blessing. We don't need someone to rejoice with me. We don't need somebody mourn with me. Or this idea that I don't need to give blessing. I need to, that I don't need to catch my tongue, that I don't need to pray for others, that I don't need to be rejoicing with others, that I don't need to mourn. That is the breakdown of harmony. And this is an individual problem that surfaces with the whole group. It's an individual problem that affects the whole group. That's why Paul says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people And don't think that you know it all. Paul is trying to keep the church in harmony. And he knows that pride is the thing that will break down life in harmony. So he says, be careful. Don't be proud. Which he says, right, in chapter 12, verse 3. We already heard that two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Now, the idea here of ordinary people or people of low position, it might say, in your Bible. So the language here in the Greek, one word, 
It actually has, it can teeter. It can either be people or it can mean, it can mean humble people or simple things. So what Paul is exhorting believers here is to identify with, the, with people who are down and out. Identify with those who are considered less important. Or it can also mean that he's saying, give of yourself to meek work, to accept humble duties. Like I said, it goes back to verse three. Don't think of yourself highly than you ought. So with original sin, that popping up, pride is one of the, is the, since then, pride is, we're constantly having to grapple with pride. And we do this in church and in life all the time. We're constantly having to grapple with pride and humility, right? We try to cozy up to certain leaders. Cool too. We go to a particular church or we don't go to a particular church. We do particular ministries because they're more important than others. We refuse to do certain tasks because we're better than that. We hang out with certain people because we would never say it ever, but we feel like we're better than them. We don't hang out with certain people because we feel like we're better than them. Oh, this happens a lot, hey? Like, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of it. But this is the sour note of disharmony. Like, have you ever heard somebody, choir, acapella group, whatever, and they're singing in their harmony and somebody is off key? And you're like, ooh, you know? They're like, that is so, that like makes my, my back turn weird, right? This kind of behavior should make our back turn weird. About ourselves, like we should check ourselves. But then in community, when we see that, it'd be like, ooh, this makes my back turn weird. This isn't living in harmony. Again, I said this a couple weeks ago, the wonderful thing about being a living sacrifice is that we get to do it every single day. We get to do it every single day and we get to renew our minds every single day, which means if we're struggling in these areas, that means we get to work on it. It means we get to meet God's grace again and work on it again. So humility is this place that recognizes that when I'm mistreated, I'm going to acknowledge that God loves them, that they are in fact beloved. I might be struggling with them right now, but God loves them. Humility, living in harmony, means even in pain and even in joy, I will acknowledge that God is in it all and I will be present with people. Humility and living in harmony says, even though I have the propensity to be self-serving and self-protecting, I will acknowledge that I don't know it all and I'm going to do the same for others. And that's what it means to live in harmony. I think, if we keep this in mind, I think we could have quite a harmonious vibe going on around campus. Like, I would love for us to really lean in and think about how we can actually 
live in harmony with each other, our roommates, maybe our teammates, what it means to live in harmony with people at our church, in our community. And so this is what I'd like for us to do. I actually don't want us to spend time here. I actually want to spend time here and have a conversation with each other and pray with each other and finish off that way. Joyful Jorah, could you, awesome. I'd love for us to take some time to reflect and ask ourselves these three questions. Am I blessing or cursing? In my community, am I blessing or cursing? In my community, am I sharing in the joy and the sorrows with people? Am I staying humble? So we're going to take a little bit of time and reflect on that. We're going we're gonna to put on some music just because, you know, that makes us feel comfortable. And then I'd like for us to think about how I'm going to create harmony in my community. What practical things can I do, can you do to build harmony in our community, in your community, in your family? What are some things that you could do? So this is how I see this happening. We're going to take some time for personal reflection. Maybe you want to journal for a bit. And then I'm going to come back up and say, let's get into groups of two or three. And you're going to talk about it. And humbly share if you're blessing or cursing or where you need to work. Or if you're joyful or mourning. Or if you're a one-note Nancy. Whether you're staying humble or grappling with pride. And on that one, you kind of have to say that you're grappling with pride. Because if you say you're humble, then you're not. Trick question. Trick question. But I'm going to release you now even just to think on these things, reflect on these things. And then I'll, I'll get you guys to get in groups in a couple minutes, okay? Well, this is what I'd love to do. 
I'd love to end our night together. And I'd invite you to stand. And I'd like to pray a prayer of blessing over you. And this prayer comes from Philippians chapter 1. This is my prayer for you. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great night.